Hello everyone, I'm Ross. Hello, it's Rue here. And uh, welcome to another episode of Hobby Dojo Podcast. We're jam-packed, full of guests. We have uh, Scott Sensi, who we all know and love. We have Jean-Philippe, all the way from Canada. And we have our special guest, Guy Bordeaux Sensi, 7th Dan from Canada. Oh, so, 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 so. <laughs> uh, How are we all doing, guys? Pretty good, yourself? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I'm I'm here for the crisps and beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll so, see if you can keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> uh, so how have you been finding Dublin today? You've been yeah, walking, walking a lot and eating and drinking and walking and enjoying the the weather. Actually, it's a beautiful day today. It's oh. a sunny blue. Day. I've been in this hellhole all day, so I wouldn't know anything about the nice day. <clears throat> yeah, same. Teaching <laughs> private classes, grading coming up on the weekend. Busy yeah. boys. Thank you, sir. Just, you sorry, we're just right. adjusting the microphone so it's further away from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I can't talk. Well, sorry, was, was the munching of the crisps too much for you? <laughs> when you talk, it's fine. Guy Sensei is quite soft-spoken, so uh, I just okay. needed to move that microphone there. Try I, and, can, uh, I can speak a little louder if you want. Please do. Je I'll, peux parler un peu plus fort. I'll, I'll try we can to masticate less. <laughs> <laughs> just eat something less noisy. <laughs> Chew your corona. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, so, he says this is the second time uh, you, you've been in Dublin. You were here yes, last year. I had a fantastic time last year yeah. with you guys. Yes, I really loved it. And is it something that you do often? Do you travel a lot? Not enough. Not enough? Yep, yeah, that's right. Not enough. I do have a couple of seminars outside of the country this year. And uh, might had some after April. I know I have another one in um, at the end of April or beginning of May uh, in Minnesota. Minnesota. And uh, besides that, it's uh, going back to uh, Sensei's Tvubel in uh, end of August, like end of I August. usually do. Yeah. Excellent. I'm, uh, me. You guys are going there next week. Next week. Yeah. Yeah. What what advice <laughs> what advice can you give us to to get the most out of the training? To get the most out of the training. Well, stay in your bubble. What do you mean by that? Meaning you concentrate on what he's saying, but you have to concentrate on yourself. You have to be almost, the right word is not what I'm going to say, but egotistical. You're only thinking about yourself all the time. Yeah. And not, not thinking problem. of somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's not no problem whatsoever. But, <clears throat> that's it. Because the information might be overwhelming sometimes. And he will see stuff uh, into your technique that a microscope would. But he doesn't need one because he's a human microscope. Yeah. He'll find anything on you. And uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think like going, going into my, my attitude is that. You know, he he'll teach at, and there'll be a certain point where the level, and and you physically won't be able to do what he's asking you to do, or whatever you like. No matter how hard you try, it's not going to be what exactly. Well, the what thing he wants. people are trying too yeah. hard, and the two poisons in training is speed and power. If you take that away, and you look at your your technique as a slow motion movie, you might be able to find out what's wrong and repair. Yeah, I remember training. Last time I trained with him was in Staten Island, 
and he doing like he always warms up with that same combination, that same drill, with that sort of the rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, 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 the ubel punch, as we, yeah. we call it. Yeah, ubel ubelzuki. Yeah, and uh, I I remember going like he always says like he always spends the first half of the class telling everyone to slow down, slow yeah. down. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go like as slow as I can. Mm-hmm. And then he, like I got a wee pat in the shoulder, you know, and I was like. Oh, so he wants yeah. us to really go as slow as we can. It's not just slower, slower, like take it easy. It's literally yeah. moving slow motion. Exactly, because the, the body timing is not there usually. Mm. It's always one part goes, the other part goes afterwards. And it's you, people don't feel it. They just feel they have power in their techniques. But uh, no, it's not. it's not working like that. Yeah. And when you start doubting your power... You're starting to put power in your doubts. <laughs> Ka-ching. Does it, count, does it count as a sensei moment if you're enjoying it as much as everybody else? It's a mystery, man. How many of those quotes do you have ready for, for the seminar tomorrow? And I am going to use it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, well, you know, I've never heard anybody say that about the two poisons in karate, speed and power. Yeah. Because we talk about speed and power all the time in this tojo, as if it's a good yeah. thing. So what did if, you mean If by your that? mechanics are good, yes. But if your mechanics are badly timed, it's like a, your, the timing of the motor is not running fine, but you're still pushing the motor, the gas pedal at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. and it just, you hear clunks. And it could be better if it was well timed. That's the thing with it. I see. Yeah. So, do you ever tra- train with speed and power, or t- or teach? I do. Oh, I yeah. do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Um, usually, it's always Tai Chi speed, and I've been doing that for a long time. You know, um, doing the instead of doing the Tai Chi thing, it's just using the the Tai Chi speed to the movement that I need to work at and. Uh, if you do not train with, um, let's say, contact, mm-hmm. you lack a positive and an automatic response to your, the feeling because you need the, the punching thing as well. You know? And you can be pushing, and just by pushing, you'll feel that you're untimed. Cause it, can I say that? Untimed? Yeah, sure. And because uh, I am French, I have to admit that sometimes I miss the words. And um, <laughs> so... If you're pun- you're pushing something, say somebody that's heavier than you are, and you're badly timed in your body, and then you do it at the right timing, leg, hip, uh, arm, if it's a punch, all at the same time, and then you feel like you didn't push and it push hard and it still works well. Well, if you ever played baseball or golf and you hit the ball so well and you look at your friends and you say mm-hmm. I didn't put power into it and it just went like perfect mm-hmm. the timing of your body was just a one so yeah I think we we had a, a Kyokushin Sensei the way we were doing it at the end of every month the last Thursday of every month we, we have a, a, a Kyokushin practitioner coming in with the pad like big the big heavy body mm-hmm. shields and uh, he'll just go like go through the kind of techniques and drills and stuff that his guys practice on the big heavy bags mm-hmm. 
or uh, pads and you can see like with some of the the Q grades and stuff in the class who maybe don't get have haven't trained as much of hitting with impact or hitting properly with full power you see them trying to lash out and you exactly. can see like you know yeah. everything's just like everything's just disconnected mm -hmm. there's two tens and they're not used to having that feedback so you see the wrist buckling their shoulders coming back you can just see that it's all completely off so i think uh, doing things like that i think it's really beneficial like actually just practicing hitting can be a big thing as well as obviously practicing slow i think practicing being able to hit properly i think because one of the things is like you look at boxing or something like that, those guys never practice to sort of really punch slow in the way that Steve, like we're talking about training with Steve Ubel, where we're literally going well, in slow motion. That's what mainly people think they're not doing, but some people might have been doing that in mm -hmm. boxing as well. It's just we don't see it on tape. It's not spect You don't do uh, uh, interview and show how, sm how slow you are <laughs> and slow you're working out in front of a camera. You just do the spec. The spectacle thing, you know, you just said that it has to be fantastic and speedy and powerful. But I've seen Steve do slow, slow punches, and you could feel that, you know, the power behind it because the the body was just everything was timed together. Muscle groups were just firing at the same time, you know. Yeah. So instead of going pow, 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 it's just one thing, just one pow. Yeah. There was one sensei in one sensei who only ex from Japan. I think he only exclusively does slow mm. techniques. Anyway, I can't remember. Yeah, who it is. Isaka sensei. Isaka, he's yeah. independent now, but he was with the KWF for a long time, and then before that, he was JKS or JKA, a side sensei fraction. Isaka, but like I trained with him like every Wednesday for a year, and we did the same menu every Wednesday for a year where we would do uh, Tetsugata slow kicks with uh, iron shoes, and then this very strange Gohon Kumite in Kibidach, where you'd move exceptionally slow. And But once he, he said, he, 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 he was explaining to the group, he says, you understand why we do this? And we were like, no, we have no idea why we're doing this. And he went, oh, Scott, come here. And I stood in front of him and he went, I just made this, this flick of a, of a movement, and he hit me three times. I couldn't believe it. Hit me once in the throat and twice in the solar plexus. Like that. I, I couldn't believe a man of his age moved so fast. And we'd spent the last, at that time, probably nine months just moving slowly. Unbelievable. That doesn't, look, che that doesn't check out, though. That doesn't matter. <laughs> Was he doing super speedy you, training for the yeah, other 24 are you hours? Are you questioning the, the senses? No. Are you calling him a liar? <laughs> no, no sense. I'm just asking. Um, I thought, in, in, I'm just asking, do you not have to move fast? You sound like you're asking anything. It made you sound like you're accusing me of something. Well, I was, I was I'm just trying to... <sighs> I'm just saying, how does that work? If you're never moving fast, how can you be fast? No, but it's not like you're always doing it slow. It's just you have to operate your body in a way where let your, let your feeling get the catch of what your body is doing while you do it. And there's so many parts of your body that, you know, if you don't think about it, mainly these are the parts that your eyes don't see. Mm. You don't see your back leg when you hit. You don't see your your uh, glutes when you hit. And but you have to feel them. Therefore, you need to go slow. And then, oh, okay, I get it now. And I do that sometimes at the gym with the rowing machine, where you have to pull. You know the mm -hmm, two mm -hmm. 
how do you, the, 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 uh, oars. the oars the yeah oars, the right. oars thank you and the legs has to push and the back has, has to go backwards because you're doing the same movement and i do it sometimes arm legs back separate movement and then i just add the two parts and then i do the three at the same time and i see the wheel going super fast when i do it the three at the same time but i'm not pushing and i'm not giving power to it. it's just time together it's like three friends pushing the same car instead of having two or one after the other oh you're just that's a good one too I was like, see, that's the one. Yeah, this is going to be a good podcast. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, you can't train twitch muscle. Oh, so no. if you imagine, like, when you click your fingers, like, when you're a kid, you practice, practice. But, like, once you get it, uh-huh. you can't improve on that. Because what you've done is you've, you've managed to lay down the neurological pathways that will allow your body to... St- synchronize the correct muscles to twitch at that point and no amount of training will increase or decrease the amount of twitch muscles that you have in your body so for example a sprinter when they're practicing of course they're practicing fitness and speed and everything but sprinting races often lost and won on the the leaving of the blocks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a sprinter will practice quite a lot in leaving the blocks so within a two-hour period they will practice leaving the blocks, but they'll only ever leave the blocks four times. They will spend 30 minutes practicing the leaving of the blocks, but not on a physical sense, but on a mental sense. And they will visualize the twitching of every muscle in the synchronization that they need to be twitched mm-hmm. um, before actually doing it. And then they'll, then they'll get to the box and the coach will watch them, then boom, they'll go. And then he'll come back and go, right, I think you twitched this one too soon, that one too soon. And what they're doing is they're laying down the neurological pathways to twitch the muscles at the right time. And ultimately, like that's what Steve Sensei is teaching. It's not about the physical strengthening of the body. It is about the strengthening of the neurological pathways that allow you to synchronize the muscle groups at the right time in the right order to produce explosive power. I think I know what you mean. Because when I was learning to play piano a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, I spent months and months laboring over this piece, and I couldn't. I was I, I was trying to learn it off by heart because my sight reading was really bad. I was still really young, um, so I was trying to read the piece and then trying to learn it. And then I had it, but I couldn't play it quick, and I was just playing it slow over and over and over again. I forgot to try to play it quick because I just wanted to learn it. So I kept playing it slowly, slowly, slowly. And one day I just came back to it and I sat down and went, boom, and I just started playing it super quick without even thinking about it. So I never had to practice playing it quick. That's because you were playing, playing this way. I was playing it upside down. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> I don't think that joke works for radio. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> finger pointing up. It's better to fingers pointing down on the piano. Uh, so you, you, um, in your dojo, you, you don't just do karate. You do jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, self-defense, aikido, kubujitsu. Tai Chi sometimes. And, and you teach all of those? Nope. You have nope. other instructors yeah. coming? I used to teach Jiu-Jitsu for a while, but now I hire a guy who is much better than I am in Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. And um, Aikibudo is a guy that teaches Aikibudo. He used to be one of my students till he was uh, Sandan, and then uh, he, he was already doing Aikibudo at the time. 
and now he only does that. And the third guy is Kogujutsu, which is weapons. Um, and talking about like uh, the tonfa, the sai, the, uh, the, the bow, and uh, some other ones that I don't know. And I don't know nothing about that, so it's, it's out of my control. The Tai Chi I, t I teach, I used to teach because you need to have a certain amount of people to give classes as well. But the self-defense is, uh, I do that in every class I, do, I teach karate. There's always a part in there where I teach the self-defense approach to it. Because sometimes I think that especially too much traditional karate is keeping you away from, am I going to be able to use that in a real situation? I think about that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, and the conclusion is that, because we, we talk about it in this dojo a lot, like I think and the conclusion is that the self-defense aspect is important, but also it's a martial art. You have to have a bit of aesthetic, a bit of art in what you're doing. That's the, the art part. It can be a beautiful thing that you dedicate your life to. So when you talk, when people overanalyze and you know get become real mm -hmm. karate nerds mm -hmm. about the little details and stuff of what they're doing that probably aren't super important when it comes to self-defense and making it just work just putting your body weight into a technique exactly probably not that important but in terms of just the aesthetics and just the, the sort of ritual of well, trying to perfect it i think it's it's a very nice having, thing having well. great gymnastics into it and doing it and make it look like you're doing it so easily like a good pianist or a good guitarist or anything like everything is easy and you need to, a lot of work and you all know that by now it's super demanding if you want to make it look like it doesn't have any effort you have a lot of effort into it yeah i shouldn't make another phrase like that you know <laughs> <laughs> i'll write it down yeah, for have that ready for the q a yeah. Yeah. listen people i have to do something about that next <laughs> So in your dojo, like, did you do you have a like a like because you have those different martial yeah. arts in the dojo? Do you like obviously it's your dojo? So do you pick and choose? I want someone in teaching this. Is it just demand, like supply and demand sort of thing, or is yeah. it? Well, yeah, actually we offer and uh, and we put ads sometimes on uh, on the internet, Facebook, and all that, and people just uh, we let them try for free because they some people just they they for them it's like reading something on a medical bottle and they have no idea of what Aikibudo would be or Jiu-Jitsu and Karate. M karate is the, the thing that people already have uh, a tag on. They know a little bit more of how it looks. And sometimes they, they did that when they used to be they kids and it was from a different dojo. Now we all know that you change dojo, you change instructor, it might be a total different kind of approach right there. Yeah. And... Uh, they sometimes were very disappointed when they were kids or they stopped because they couldn't, you know, they didn't have fun after a while. But teaching kids and teaching uh, adolescents and see, teaching ad adults is a totally different game. Yeah. So, and, you know, sometimes you just have to go with, uh, check the finger in the air and look at where the wind goes and you, you cannot ha always have a plan on we're going to do that tonight because you might be really disappointed, especially with the kids. And you know that yeah. as well. Yeah. And do you think, hey, like, there's there's obviously a benefit to broadening your horizons and, and yeah. taking part in different martial arts, but do you think there's a point where, you know, you've got you know too much going on in your head at once, Jenk, it, it can be a detriment training with different styles? No. 
so much not, not at all. You can't <laughs> not get at all. Yeah. No, there's so much stuff to do in karate. You have basic training, the kion. You have kata. You have the bunka. If you want, you're interested in that. You got the the, the kumite training. Uh, and then you have the contact training, the control training, the the competition training, all that. I mean, and these all have different colors, and you have different taints of that same color that you can work on. Yeah. It's endless. I mean, it's endless. There's, You can do how many classes, and they're not going to be looking the same from one class to the other, because you started a class with a group and then you have a better idea for the next one and then you have another idea for the next one and then you change completely because you're tired of doing that class and you're doing something else and it just and you just um spark you know things in their brains that they go it's fantastic it's fun it's different from the, the other class and they're also happy to redo what they started to do a few days before because they have a second chance of practicing what they did on Monday, but now we're Wednesday and Friday again, and they just get better at it. So it's it's all good. You redo the things, or you just change completely. I've been doing grading syllabus for so long, I've forgotten yeah. what that feels like. <laughs> We've got, because of the grading at the weekend, it's just been like just trying to get them to make sure, like trying to perfect. Yeah. you know the what they need to know for the belts and stuff yeah, and that's been going on and for I, un- I understand weeks. because you just did the exams right or you will be doing the exams tomorrow, tomorrow but yeah. I finished it and this week was just okay let's do like uh, self-defense technique on the ground some- somebody brings you on the ground what do you do I mean karate is really good standing up and in a situation where there's a lot of people around you don't want to go down on the ground because you can get be, being kicked like a soccer ball but um, you need to know something on the ground as well because it's a different art. It's a different science. You need to know what's going on if the guy you know, brings you on the ground and he's heavier than you are or you're a girl and you're being attacked by an old, tough, big man. What do you do? I mean, karate, your kicks won't be working at this distance. You need to know more and you need to be, in a way, a little bit savage under control and it all depends on what's going on in this situation it all depends on that you cannot say oh if the guy does, and i we saw we see that often in different instructors if the guy does that you do this if the guy does that when are you going to know what's going on mm-hmm. we probably will open the door right there and one night and the night where you don't feel like being attacked <laughs> you just got out of the restaurant you're full you don't feel good and that's where it's going to happen so is that what preoccupies most is that what preoccupies you most when you're teaching or planning a lesson or is it how I, effective these things are going to be in a real situation mainly i will usually look at the person that's the smallest in the dojo uh-huh. when we're talking about uh, self-defense. Piss <laughs> off! <laughs> that was directed at Ross, by the way, folks. <laughs> but Please usually continue. that's what you, you need to help the smallest person in the, in the place. And yeah, if it guys. works for that person, <laughs> if it, when I'm, t- I'm not talking about the present people here but you know you have a small child a small little girl or small older woman that she doesn't have the physique to to do something and you have to teach her something that it'll work in five seconds not in two uh, two years of training 
what's the point you know it's good one is good for the exercise physical exercise and it's good for oh she feels good after that and the other one is like i can use that right now yeah do you need to be black belt no you need to do that now and it'll, it's going to work automatically i think Sorry, I was, Sorry going, go I was going to say, like, I think that's a common misconception with crack is that, you know, you you get to black belt, it's like, oh, you must be, you know, you must be able to kick everyone's yeah, ass Jedi. and stuff, you know, but it's that way where the training that we do in terms of, like, grading syllabus and stuff to get through the grades, they're not going to see the benefits of that until way, way, way in the future. It's not like and it's, and an that's where it's thing. wrong. That's where it's wrong. Yeah. It should be, you should be able to teach something it's and explain to the white belt it's good for you for that reason but here's the the other color of that same technique that you can use instead of thinking it's only going to be a, a basic technique chokuzuki your two feet are side by side and you're hitting what else can you do with that same technique that'll help you in a real situation that doesn't look like it yeah and it often is hidden in plain sight and the, the person doesn't see it most people don't and that's where i think like training cross training with other martial arts that like for example jiu-jitsu is all about you get that immediate tactile feedback because you're you're practicing with partners all the time you're rolling all the time you're putting them into certain positions and locks and you're getting the partner's feedback of is it working is it not working straight away yeah. and I think that when you're cross training and stuff like that it can always give you like new ideas and too and much new insight and into your own martial art and too much of that training that we do in traditional karate is hitting hair molecules yeah and there's not enough punching into something that's really in front of you at all the distance are good it's not and, and you know you have people who've been training for 20 years punching and the arm is totally straight and for them the power is, is at the end of that punch where the real situation the guy can be in the train while we just came in from in the trolley or how, how, what do you call Lewis. that what do you call that that Lewis speaking. the Lewis exactly and the guy is just next to you and he you know he wants to attack or he wants to you know grab your Doritos I don't know. <laughs> you want to defend your Doritos. Yeah. And he's glued to you. Or, uh, you know, it's the same technique should be used in that. Yeah. It's like that double-edged sword. Like, we, like Scott says, he always says it to us when we're, we're training. You know, the, one of the biggest strengths in karate is the amount of kihon that we do um, in Shotokan karate because it makes it very difficult to create you know, power and connect your body in these long stances, these big positions. Mm -hmm. But when we can do it, that's a massive benefit. But they also, it's the biggest weakness because we do too much of that and not enough of practicing that sort of the in-between spaces yeah. and how to make the exactly. spaces work. Um, and, and after totally a while, with. you see people that have been doing that for 10, 20 years and they're too close to hit somebody and they, and they put, they, they bend their back in, yeah. the, in the back direction so they can have a straight punch. Yeah. Instead of using it. No, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so that like that to me is it, like and like totally agree with everything you're saying there. Um but like what what's interesting to me is like, you know, the like some like some people when they talk about um bunkai or application or, or cross training, they they say that for looking at it from kata, for example, it's very 
specific techniques and it can be very difficult to make those techniques applicable in real life scenarios, real life situations. Especially um, with shows the camera has become so so stylized. So what do you say to people who say that? Do you think that every technique and every kata has a working purpose or do you think some of it's too stylized and, and you wouldn't apply it and when you apply it, it doesn't have any sort of... Um, it doesn't really look like the technique anymore. You've ch- you're changing it a lot, or do you try and make it all work within the form? Well, um, my point of view on that is you have to think out of the box, and if you follow the embusen, which is the plan of the kata and the direction that the kata shows, which is supposed to start and finish at the same place, you'll be the most miserable person on earth, <laughs> because nothing will happen that way. Yeah. The guy can hit you from behind, can hit you from the side, in front of you, 45 degrees behind or in front, or, and you have to do something with it. And you follow the Enbusen again, and you still move the same way as the Kata shows. Uh, and that's one thing that uh, Steve said many times, and it took me a while to understand, which you practice, oh, I can't try to remember that phrase in English, uh, practice the principle but don't apply the principle or something like that that he used to say and i i asked him to repeat that again often but it's it's like you're doing a drawing but you cannot apply that drawing perfectly because you don't know the start of that story we're planning always like you start at left and it might be totally different and the person is not uh in front of you he's not in the back of you he's on the side of you and the hand that's supposed to do the technique is not the hand that's going to be helping you actually it's the other one that doesn't seem to be doing the show it's like the magician he shows the left hand that does the show but it's the right one that does the job yeah or the foot or the the way it moves the direction of your feet and we forget about the feet while we do the technique because the show is being done by the hands, like a Gerambarai, for instance. But what can you do with your feet while you do that? Do you think perhaps that for most people, knowing kata is more of a hindrance than a help? Uh, knowing knowing kata, just people... Uh, so if you know all Shotokan's 26 kata, mm. you just have so many boxes that you need to... that or, or so many pegs that you want to get inside a certain shaped hole whereas things aren't always going to fit and people who don't know that or who don't apply the uh, the ideas that you're talking about are just getting bogged down all the time and maybe they'd be better off without kata at all. Good question. Um, I'd say kata is a good start uh-huh. in a way because most people don't have imagination. They don't. They let people imagine for them. Mm-hmm. They watch the sensei, and the sensei is the big light over them, and the information comes from them, from the sensei. But they don't take the time to study what can be done outside of there. And the sensei usually, and I'm not saying about people here, but most sensei, they just do what their sensei was telling them to do, and it goes from that, from that generation to another generation and another. But there's no study of what can happen in this situation with the movement that I'm doing right now. And it's, it's tough to use a good imagination if you don't have a little bit of fighting spirit in, in, into you. Most people are Gentile. They're nice people. 
they're doing karate for the fun of doing karate, but they they don't have a a mad bone <coughs> inside of them. I don't know if you catch what I'm saying yeah, about I that. You know? yeah. They don't have the fighting spirit. Yeah. And they, 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 they only imagine that people are going to be standing in front of them in the Giranbarai position and, uh, and attack with Oizuki. Mm-hmm. And they don't think of the guy could you know, just grab them by two hands or grab the shoulder or push them like it usually starts a fight, you know, like a brawl. Yeah. It pushes. And what can you do in that situation? That's what, one of my pet peeves with the uh, application is when it starts with the, the classic reach wrist forward grab. and grab the wrist that <laughs> drives me crazy on the inside because I'm always just like that. nobody's every unfortunate altercation I've seen or been a part of I have never seen that happen ever in my life maybe you know, somebody wants to steal your phone <laughs> I mean who knows but it, but yeah the, the grab like no. he, he reaches down and grabs my so he's leaning forward grabbing the wrist yeah. rather than you know always you know it's always grabbing the neck and Going for the punch oh, or the something, arm. Like, you know, or yeah, the or, arm. You, you'd have an adult yeah. taking or grabbing a kid. You will grab him by the arm and yeah. something like that, or by the the shirt. Mm. Or what do you do if he grabs you by the hair? You know, there's. I say I usually say if somebody grabs you by two hands, well, two hands are occupied. You still have four limbs. Mm-hmm. What can you do with your own four limbs? Yeah. Out of that and you have a headbutt and you have all that and you have the nasty stuff. But you have to be in control of every part of that body. And do you think that imagination that comes with, you know, having a little bit of madness in you, the imagination of what if somebody really comes at me like this and what can I really do to, to hurt this person or to, you know, prevent, prevent harm well, from it, coming to myself? If you're really in a bad, bad, bad situation, yeah. yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and what that, so that type of imagination... Uh, can it be trained or do you think some people just have it and some people don't not trained but can you inspire people all of the above yeah yeah all of the above most people don't but some people will learn it because they're open to receive that sort of information Mm -hmm. they might not do it naturally Mm -hmm. and some people you just say gouge an eye and oh fine (laughs) oh there's an ear right there and you just take it away because they see it so, but you have to be a little bit of a maniac if you're thinking this way. But it's actually life-saving situation. It's not like, a, well, he called me a, a lie or he called me a bad name or something. He, he cut me with his, uh, his car, you know. Like uh, we were talking to, to, together today, you know, like somebody cuts you with your car, you know. You, are you going to go after him and uh, kill him because of that? In the States, maybe, but not here, you know, and yeah. uh, you, you, you have to come back to your own sense and say, you know what, if it happens and I have to hit somebody because of that, I'm going to go to jail because I'm the guy who's got the karate knowledge mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to be spending time in jail or I lose my reputation as a karate instructor. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Bless now, you. Now I'm to McGregor's Taekwondo coach. Really? Yeah, he was got caught at a pub or something. He, some guy started away, pushed him, just pushed him. The guy fell over and cracked his head on the curb. And yeah, anything can happen. Into jail. Yeah. You go. Simple as that. Like that. Have you it's ever tough seen? For Don't guys do like it, that, kids. Not to do it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. So in your dojo, the maniacs learn faster. 
Is that right? <laughs> I don't have a lot of maniacs. I have to be. Oh, uh, pity. You know, yeah. No, no. But it's always like. <laughs> Another classic radio joke. didn't. <laughs> Yeah, so Scott's physical comedy today has been excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that if you can see it. Too bad the podcast audience aren't, aren't getting any. <laughs> uh, yeah, most people, they just are nice people, and it's better this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's way better this way. It's just that if you're, if you're to teach karate, you have to watch at who you're teaching karate to, and are they ready for that kind of approach? And if they say yes, well, they have to be open to sometimes very uh, physical and not nice and very nasty things. And it's, uh, and, and it's life-defending uh, situation, not uh, fun thinking out of the bar and the guy just uh, drops beer on you. Mm-hmm. So what? No. There's no obviously, that, that doesn't call for violence. No. No. <laughs> So in, in kata would be the same approach. You'd, you'd have a lot of different ways of doing bunkai, which you can go from defending to being nastier and nastier and nastier all the time. Hmm. Yeah. And so what we're saying is, Sean, if you're listening, you're not getting taught any of this nasty stuff <laughs> tomorrow. You know, is, is Sean <laughs> coming tomorrow? Yeah. 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 You, you, you <laughs> won't even have to. You know, something. You'll see Sean, and we won't even have to tell you it's Sean. You'll just be like, "Oh, there's Sean." Yeah. You see the maniac. The blue, the well, I know the, blue I know Sean. Sean. I know Sean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, yeah. You've seen the professional side of Sean. You haven't seen the yeah, maniac side of Sean. <laughs> I think you need a motorcycle for that. <laughs> a two hundred horsepower motorcycle. Yeah, he's a, that's you see. He needs that machine to to Let stay, to stay his, stable. Yes. Yeah. If he didn't, if he didn't have that mm, contraption to to let loose on. Then you know, goodness knows he'd be playing in the next Road Warrior, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, coming over here and teaching, uh, do you have like a? Obviously, you you don't know. No, necessarily I know nothing. What, what's no. coming? What, 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 who's going to be standing in front of you tomorrow in the seminar? Um, if it's going to be a, a massive amount of of high dan grades, predominantly Q grades. Um, maybe there's some younger kids. When you travel, do you have a set um, idea of what you're going to do? Um, do you plan ahead of what you want to teach, or do you wait and see what's in front of you before you do it? Do you wait for the inspiration to come to you? Like, well, usually it's begins? the last answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just I, to prepare something you know, like uh, uh, in advance. It happens. But sometimes you 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 have a a piece of paper where you write all the class that you're going to be doing. And you're only going to be standing in the front, you know, the first part of it because you develop from that part. Mm-hmm. And you look at the people and you think, man, I thought they'd be understa- understanding exactly what I meant at the beginning, and they don't. Mm-hmm. So why go further ahead if they don't understand the first part? Yeah. So, and sometimes you just go, okay, we're not going to be, you know, uh, 100% on that, but we need to try the other ones after. And then you restart that on your own when I'm not there and you, uh, you retry it. But some t- it, it all depends. It yeah. all depends. It depends on the age, depends on the uh, maturity of the people in front of you. 
they don't have the same maturity, of course, and technically or age-wise. Yeah. And uh, how about if there is a, a massive ability, like say if there's a, what would you call it, a bell curve? If there's a broad range, a broad spectrum in front of you of ability, you have white belts and six stands in the same class. Yeah. How do you approach that situation? So, uh, I, I'm just going to ask you, sometimes you have six dan in a dojo that are as good as the orange belt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or the green belt. You need belts, to you have know? to give a specific series on it. The dance at a certain point, they don't mean much. They see it's sometimes they've been doing the same thing as when they were orange belt. It's just they're doing it faster. But the knowledge behind it, they haven't gone further uh -huh. ahead on certain movement. Mm -hmm. And I'm not judging anybody when I'm saying that. It's just that it's usually what's happening because I've been, you know, traveling quite a bit and seeing different instructors over the years and being flatly disappointed by some of high grade people where for example in, for example <laughs> 2003 so going back to one seminar that I went to with Kanazawa Sensei in Maine and they were seventh degree black belt showing stuff that did not make sense but they kept on explaining the same way as if they were uh, orange belt same thing, same technique. There were no changes, no ev no um, uh, evolution, pro evolution, progression. Everything was the same as the recipe of a white, yellow, orange belt. Same recipe. No, nothing new. So when same I game. asked, what do you do when there's a broad range of abilities? You said there's, there's never, never a broad range. <laughs> there, there might be. Yeah, there might be. Yeah. I mean, and I have to admit that this dojo here, people are really good. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, there are. Um, compared to, you know, it, it doesn't matter if the instructor has a big name, if the students are not listening and not changing anything. The, the students are not as good, you know. I've been to the, uh, dojos where the, the name of the instructor is just uh, fantastic. For example. You look at the students, but you're... <laughs> but the look, you look at the students and you go, well, that's the best they can do. And uh, that's all. But it, I'm not there for that, anyways. I'm, usually, when, if I go for a seminar and I'm there as a student, I just look. I'm thinking only of me, myself, and I. I need to improve. I need to know more because it's always a search of, can I get out of that place and learn something out of there instead of just, I paid 10 bucks and I didn't learn anything, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I've got to say, like to answer Rue's question, like teaching kind of groups that have a, a very mixed ability. Like when, when like Guy Sensi said, you know, when you have six stands who, who really are struggling to cope with fundamental concepts that's the most difficult because they think they know stuff and they mm -hmm. don't whereas when you're teaching six dance with a group of lower grades and they're really good six dance then they really appreciate nuance and and refined movement and 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 you can teach a really nuanced class just about oizuki and or for example oizuki and the low grades are going right okay i'm learning oizuki and the high grades are going right, I'm really trying to connect my muscle chain or, or my wherever you're teaching at the time. So it's much easier to teach a, a group which has a broad spectrum um, of abilities than teach a group with a similar ability but a broad spectrum of grades. Yeah. 
I think. Mm. Cool. In French, please. Okay, I, <laughs> I only know one word of French. <laughs> je, je peux le traduire plus tard. Oh, fancy guy. <laughs> I, I, that was me just saying That's that the first then. first time anybody's ever told me that. Fancy guy. Fancy guy. Um, so, uh, I know that some of our listeners are interested in sort of the organizational side of, of, of karate. Um, which organization do you belong to, Gies? My own. Oh, your own? Yeah, my own. So I formed mine about, well, 1995, oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we were all SKI for a while. I, we, I mean, I started with just Shotokan uh, with uh, Tsuroka Sensei in Canada. My instructor was with Tsuroka Sensei, which Tsuroka is the father of Canadian karate. Mm-hmm. He died a few years ago at the age of 85, 88. I can't remember exactly. And he was one of the first guy in karate. That's it, in Canada. There were other guys, but he formed actually the Canadian Association. And um, he was a Canadian-Japanese. And he learned karate with um, Chitose Sensei, Chitoryu. But the the Shotokan was getting huge in North America, and he wanted to be part of the boat. So he changed the Chitoryu to Shotokan. After a while, so it was a mix-up of karate around Canada, people who were with him. Some stayed Shoryu and some went Shotokan. And the JKA came over like a big cloud and just rained Shotokan all over Canada. <laughs> and um, and so some people went joined the JKA and we were Shotokan from that moment on. And uh, I started Shotokan, 1979. And um, after that, my instructor decided to go with the uh, Japanese umbrella and uh, went with the uh, SKIF, used to be SKI, mm-hmm. Kanazawa Sensei's group. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went well for uh, quite a while, but it's all because of the politics of uh, the company. And then we just decided to quit. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed with my instructor for a couple of years and I said, I'm quitting with him as well. And then I was alone for a while, but I formed the uh, my association, Shotokan Canada. And then I met a guy who transformed my karate again. Steve, Steve Ubel? Ubel, yeah. I was like a reborn karateka. So I had to undo my own house, take away all the bricks that were not fitting well, and redo as much as I could. And I still work on that as well today, over 20 years after that. So you're um, a professional instructor. I do that for a living. And you're also the head of your own organization. Jawohl. And how much of your how much of your job or your how much of your job is running the organization and how much of your job is teaching martial it's arts? It's very much not politic. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm happy. Uh, to that's hear that. one thing I like <laughs> about this organization that you all have under. Uh, Sensei Scott, that it's there, it's more about learning karate and enjoying the 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 life as um, a scientist in in the martial arts, where you need to learn positive and always being open to see that there might be something good in jujitsu, karate, boxing, judo, uh, anything that can and other karate instructors, and there's way too much jealousy, unfortunately, and you can 
keep an open mind on that and then you get you go well i didn't think of that movement before that way and this guy brought something new to the table and that's how i see things as well so you need to be open on everything and how to teach and, and since starting your own, your own group, have you ever come? Have you managed to avoid completely those sort of nasty sort of political problems that come with it? Yeah. Or like completely, avo- yes. completely managed to avoid it? Yeah. You uh, only have you, the only thing you have to do is do exactly what I say. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. No politics. No, I'm kidding. But um, you know, it's, you 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 try to show something to your students. And they, and there's one thing that I tell them often: don't say "us" if you don't understand. How many students are in the class, All and they look at the instructor and they they say "us," but they, the message just passes right over their heads, without understanding what the real meaning of that explanation was. It's just that they it's the robotic "us" answer that they give, but there's no real understanding. And then you would ask them at the end of a class. What did I mean by this? And you'll have five different answers or no answers what, whatsoever on that explanation. Or the class, the plan of the class was this. And some people will just pass right next to it. Yeah. And I'm sure it happens more often than not. Yeah, I, when, you, when you said that, it made me, I was thinking, oh, dear. Because sometimes, well, so well, people, I te- people I like kids. looks like deers as well. Yeah, <laughs> just like I teach kids predominantly, and I I use us for I I have them use us just to show that they're listening uh-huh. rather than that they understand. Because I mean, most of the time, I'm sure it's not that cognitively difficult to understand. I'm uh-huh. just saying, oh, you're my Gary. You need to snap more. It looks floppy, so don't do a floppy kick. Do a snappy kick. Do you understand? And they all go us. And many or, instru- uh, instructors, you know, you, you see that on the internet, they'll go, you understand what I mean? You're not just, and they, they go, they go, oh, by, you know, yeah, by uh, politeness. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and the, the rare people will go, no, I don't. Could you explain it in another way where I can have an understanding of what you're saying, which should be very interesting mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. will help me? But most people just don't. They, they, they think... If I d- say that, that I don't understand, I will look stupid in front of the rest of the gang. But by asking that question, maybe you're helping 80% of the people. And they go, yeah. oh, that's what he meant by that. <laughs> and I used to do that with my own instructor. Mm-hmm. I was the senpai. And I, I used to listen to him, you know, give him an explanation and way too long explanations. He spoke too long, mm-hmm. and people were just going in clouds, and they're probably thinking of uh, pizza, spaghetti, and <laughs> anything like that. But they were not into karate world, because he went everywhere else. But the point, and then I just look at him, and I actually I didn't listen to the instructor because I knew exactly where he was going with that. But I was looking at all the other people looking at him and tried to listen, and they were not there. It's like glazed eyes, and then I go. Oh, Sensei, do you mean by that blah, 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 blah? And said, yes. And people go, oh, okay, now I understand. <laughs> and it was simple as that. So to me, the, the, the simple, stupid explanation is the best. And you use icons. Like I would say, happy face. Everybody's got an happy face in their brain. Or a fire hydrant. 
everybody's got a fire and it's things like that and sometimes kids will say something to me and it's the image is so fantastically fast that everybody would understand mm -hmm. i was explaining sometime mawashigiri many years ago like 20 some years ago and a kid about six years old said to me oh sensei it looks like the mawashigiri it looks like a kid that a, a, a dog that you know pees on the fire hydrant like that's it that's it perfect that's exactly the image you should have everybody yeah. laughed but the laughing part was the answer of i understand uh -huh. right uh -huh. yeah. like you just did uh -huh. and most of the times you would be doing and often more than you think you'd be doing something on a daily basis that's not connected to karate and you'd go well if i connect that to karate like driving and you're let's say you're always watching in the road to see if there's somebody coming and you don't see at the corner because you're you're turning a corner and there might be but you're thinking ahead that you might be in trouble well in karate might be you if you used your karate this way like preventive or especially for motorcyclists for instance mm -hmm. they have to think like a sixth sense of what's not there but might happen and then prevent being killed and you if you use that it's an example of course but if you use that in karate you would be better at it too because you're not doing something that's reactive like we were it's always a reaction to something that happens well if you do that while you drive a motorcycle you're dead oh there's a car maybe i <laughs> end of the sentence right there uh, a first thought yeah it's yeah. First thought. First thought. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So we're at uh, over 50 minutes. Is there anything you'd like to ask, Gi Sensei, Scott Sensei? Um, or do you, would you rather say before your Q&A? I think you'll find that uh, <laughs> before this podcast is aired, we'll have done a Q&A and I shall have already revealed exactly what I want to ask. Uh, Sunday, 6 p.m. Tune yeah. in. Yeah, well, that was, okay. it. It was What's my favorite rock band. For those of you who my missed color. the live Q and A, go to. Will it be on your Facebook page? It will be on my. For those of you who missed the live Q, just listen to us. <laughs> you don't <need> Sorry. <laughs> at least, at least they'll get my visual jokes on the live Q and A. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we always finish um, our our podcast or have a, a a section of the podcast called Fail of the Week. Um, so I fail. Aren't you going to do your jingle? Uh, yes, yeah. and it's like so. I think it's time that we do the fail of the week. Fail. <laughs> that's it. That's the jingle. So uh, my my fail of the week was um, uh, a pretty obvious one. My fail of the week was I actually got punched by Rue this week uh, for the first time ever. Punched by Rue. Oh come on! I've punched you before. <laughs> nah, not like that. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, we were doing a, a nice light, sort of easy, sort of warm down and morning training, uh, show weapon practice, um, very, very friendly, I thought, and uh, as, as per usual, we start and, uh, and I'm 1-0 up within seconds, <laughs> and, uh, and unknown to me, Rue kicked up a, a couple of gears, um, I, I was still in my nice happy, I've just trained, you know, warm down space. And next thing you know, he's climbing on top of me like a, a rabid squirrel. <laughs> he, he looked like a wee man climbing the north face of the Eiger. Hey, is this my fail of the week or, or Ross's fail of the week? Uh, and I got punched and I, I didn't react fast enough. I was, I was uh, too 
in, in too relaxed a state, um, and um, I'm a bit embarrassed, I have to say. So, uh, well done, Ru. Well, thanks. Well, don't say well done because that's my fail of the week. Um, my fail of the week, folks, is that I, like an absolute donkey, walloped Ross in the face and split his eyebrow, and he was gushing blood, and there was lots of drama, lots of sh- screaming and gnashing of teeth, and everybody was very upset. Especially. We find that we've had, we all we all reacted it's pretty calmly yeah. inside yeah. of them. Yeah, I think you'll find we all started taking the mick immediately. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. yeah, but it was it was very embarrassing. And uh, of course, very professional first aid team here oh, at the yeah. Home Dojo. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. all first aid trained, and uh, yeah. my eye was back to normal within seconds. Yeah. And you have a question for Jean Philippe or something like that? The poor guy's been standing there for the whole thing. Are your legs tied? <laughs> <laughs> Jean Philippe, you, you train with uh, Guy Sensi. Yeah. You come to, closer. You have to come, come closer. closer. Mm-hmm. The microphone. Uh, you you train with Guy Sensi. What's the worst thing about his teaching? <sighs> My breath. Good <laughs> 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 oh boy. That uh, starts hard. He uh, should I'm, have said nothing. He <laughs> 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 should have said nothing. You started, so please finish. <laughs> he clearly has a long list to go through. He's <laughs> to narrow it down. <laughs> I would tell you. Um, the, I'm training with Gi Sensei since 1998, so it's been quite a while. I was coming from another, from another school before and so on, and um, I was, uh, I think I, I am probably still, but I was even more of a, of a shy guy at this time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Had a lot of... Um, very uh, serious dude. Very serious, a lot yeah. of problem to, uh, to, to, to relax, and so karate time for me was... It was a very serious. Never time laughed, never I mean, cracked a smile, never at all. Yeah, maybe never. This is the way I learned before or something, but uh, but uh, for me, it's not about the worst thing. But it, the, the hard, I would say the hardest thing for me was to learn that a dojo could be just an everyday place, like a place you have training, of course, but you have fun as well, and you have everything that you have in normal life. And so by this. By this attitude, I, I started to, to get to the dojo much more often because by in, in the old me, dojo was a specific piece of the day in which you come, you bow, you do your, th- your things, you're stressed all the time, you're very sh- like this and then... Stoic, yeah. And then you bow at the end and then you go out and then, poof, then you can be your normal you. And so um, it was very hard for me at the beginning to see sensei cracking a joke in the middle of the class being so relaxed being so normal not like you would imagine a sensei being being very serious and putting pressure and so on so uh it was it was a learning for me and it really changed my attitude towards karate and 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 the open-mindedness as well that uh, that you have uh get to to just like we're today discussing about many things and exchanging ideas and not being stuck in a, in a linear stream that uh, that is all, always the same so with uh, with him being so uh, yeah being in the dojo like you are in a normal life that made me curious like I am in my normal life so I've that way explored boxing MMA judo many things and many st- different approaches different uh, senseis as well that I so this is why I'm here because I'm curious I'm I, 
I want to see other things. Is, is this you going to teach tomorrow? I heard, I heard, yeah, I heard. <laughs> they invited me over for uh, breakfast. <laughs> Only breakfast, I go back afterwards. So, uh, so Brexit yeah, was... breakfast, or I can't, like something, one of the two. Don't mention Brexit. We got all the way through without mentioning <laughs> yeah. Brexit. That's a big you said it three times. That's, your, that's your fail of the <laughs> week right now. <laughs> but I'm French, I don't understand everything you say, man. We should have been talking to Jean-Philippe earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah we should have jumped in. Yeah, it would be more interesting in what we just said. <laughs> of course. No, that, that, I remember having him around. He was a young 18 years old. And I was looking at him, and he never cracked a smile. And my, my thing was, before the end of the class, he's going to smile. And uh, I was just trying to find the right joke and being serious and then shoot something. It was obviously so funny that it had to... And then it, it worked. And then it worked better and easier after that. And then he got to relax more. And uh, he was a... Very uh, good students from uh, day one, actually. Well, Unfortunately, he lives like eight, yeah. nine hours away. away from me in the upper part of Quebec, and Quebec is cold, and it's far, and I mean, it's a huge province of Canada, and uh, we don't see each other too often, unfortunately. But I enjoy him here. Very nice he could travel with you yeah. this time, yeah? Well, he's here for business, but he just came here. Oh, we made it happen. Here. I mean, yeah. oh, very good. Cool. Looking forward to training tomorrow then. Thank you very much for that uh, interview. That'd be great though. Thank you very much for coming on. That was fun. Very nice, relaxed, informative. Very good. Very good. Um, time to say goodbye? Time to say goodbye, yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, From folks. Thank Hongo you very Dojo, much. Guy Brother Sensei, Jean-Philippe. And Ciao. thanks, Scott. Langley for inviting me over here. And, I said uh, from the Humble Dojo, you were included in that. <laughs> he, he, does he, not know. Me, he does not know, Sensei. He does not know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't say anything then. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I really, I think you're going a bit mad. Maybe a few more punches to the head would help. Can we film? We're going to have to start filming these like Joe Rogan. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Okay. Deep bows and Bye.